This is Bill Jackson speaking. Hello, everybody. Welcome now to Sportsline. Gary Dornberg with you. I'm Tony Rixby, WPTF News. Hello, this is Charles Carroll, CBS News, WPTF in Raleigh. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. I'm Don Curtis. Hello, friends. This is Bill Friday, WPTF in Raleigh. I'm Rufus Adbiston on the Weekend Gardener. Now, here is your moderator, Tom Campbell. Thanks for watching this week's NC Spin. Now, here is Kate Kaiser. Hi, yo. Well, that's good. This is Aunt Devine. This is Robert St. John in the NBC Newsroom in New York. The Monitor Edition of News of the World. Debnam views the news. And now, here is Mr. Debnam. Good afternoon, everyone. Yours truly, Sam Beard. And Jim Reed. And Carl Gert. Thank you, Sam. And greetings to all of our listeners. This is Harry Presley, WPTF in Raleigh, North Carolina. Wayne Edda is standing by now with a check of the latest news. WPTF News presents Regional Report, a digest of late happenings throughout the area. This is Bill Ellis. This is Jimmy Capps. For the nocturne, we send as... This is Bill Hope. This is Warren Barfield with Kingdom Scott at the organ and a program of familiar carols. Good morning, this is Phil Franklin. And this is J.C. Knowles with the North Carolina Collection on WPTF. I'm Mike Blackman, WPTF News. Good evening, I'm David Sherrill. This is Robert Hager, WPTF News. This is Bob Farrington. Good morning, everybody. Charlie Gaddy here with Ask Your Neighbor. Mario Dale here. Fess Parker, our guest this morning here at News Talk 680. Well, Jack Boston, that was a great introduction. Hey, everyone, great to have you with us this this is North Carolina's Morning News. I'm Brian Freeman on WPTF. Hello, I'm your friend Bart Rittner. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the Bob Butler Show. And this is Ned Champion reporting. And here is Carl Venters. WPTF is the voice that shares with its neighbors what it's like to be living the life of Raw. This is Charles Osgood wishing Mike Rayley and Ann Clapp congratulations on the anniversary of WPTF's Weekend Gardener program. This is Donna Mason on 680 WPTF. And I'm Dick Stork in the WPTF. Record Vault. Good morning to you. Tom Kearney here. Johnny Hood on the Southern Farm Network. Well, howdy, everybody. I'm Hap Hanson. I'm Marlon Bowling reporting. I'm Ann Clapp. And this is a Tar Heel Gardener saying, keep them growing. Now, the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. And Scott Brigham filling in for Mike Raley on vacation today at a wedding on the South Carolina coast. We do wish him uh, well. He will be back next week. Gerald Adams helping us out here. A Tomato King, grounds maintenance supervisor at Centennial Campus. Also used to work at the governor's mansion taking care of the grounds. A lot to talk about as we're cleaning up from storms. We're kind of in between some hot and humid conditions. Catching a break uh, this week. Uh, what is the up and down weather forecast? How can that impact what we're doing out there? <clears throat> Uh, most of what it affects is probably blooming with yeah. some fruits, and in particular tomatoes. You know, too hot a weather and the pollen dries up before it can pollinate and create the fruit. Uh, you will see uh, leaf curl and plants sometimes. Heat stress causes that to them. Yeah. Usually that's something that it will grow back out of, and when the weather conditions uh, get a little better. And you know, 
been hot when the, they tell you today's high is 87 and you're happy. Yeah. <laughs> <That> is, <laughs> 87 that, never looks so gonna, good, right? It's going to be 87 <laughs> today and 82 tomorrow may springtime, oh. uh, sounds like. So that's uh, – yeah, so it, it, it's always, I mean, it just seems this is usually weather we run into more in mid to late July and mm-hmm. early August. Just seems to be earlier this year uh, coming around. Uh, but it's not anything. I mean, we have this kind of weather every year, so wow. it's It'll be par for the course. Yeah, oh, perfect segue. They'll be golfing in 60-degree temperatures, I believe, up at the U.S. Open in Boston. I heard one of the announcers say, I forgot to bring my sweater. And I thought for a minute, sweater? Where are you all at? It's uh, weather. Talking about our weather changing quickly. Boston's a completely different story. All right, let's go to Tom in Smithfield waiting patiently. 919-860-9783. That's 919-860-WPTF to reach out to Gerald Adams here on the Weekend Gardener. Tom, good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I uh, doing well. How are you? Weather. I'll give you a little weather report from last night. Testfield. All right. What you got? Testfield. We got two and a half inches of thunder and point one zero zero inches of rain. <laughs> yeah, heavy thunder last night. We got a, 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 a net weight of a couple metric tons in lightning. I believe last night it was Woo. a big lightning show. Lots of and the wind. I hadn't quite seen wind like that without uh, you know really tornado issues or tornado warnings or watches being issued. In a long time, so some really strong wind impacting a lot of people. It sure did. All right. Listen, what my deal is, I have had uh, uh, raised beds for, oh, God, years and years. I've had replacements twice over the years using landscape timbers. And now I've got a problem. I thought it was camellia bushes, roots getting in. My raised beds up have got a coating of salt underneath them. They have a black plastic over it, and then they have two to three layers of ground cloth over it. And I still get roots from my, I'm assuming now, from my neighbor's hawthorn tree. And that's about 40 feet away. Has anybody got any idea how in the heck I dug those during roots out of them this year and the whole bed will be, you know, hairy-type roots. And dug down in, in one bed and root coming through was as big as your little finger yeah i mean absolutely cool i mean you have to landscape fabric and sometimes doubled up will slow them down some at that size uh you have to have something that's permeable that water will get through so your stuff will still drain right uh i've sometimes have took my beds up higher uh i i had a place one time where i had a tube of twelves I came back and had a similar situation to you, put two layers uh, of uh, landscape fabric down and then added another 12 inches of board up on the tie and went on up higher. I added more soil into it, so I had deeper to work with. But uh, short of killing the roots, which is almost impossible on the kind of size tree that you're talking about, uh, I really don't know of much of anything else that's going to be more successful because, see, you're you're watering, you're providing nutrient. Them roots are working their <laughs> way right over there to it, uh, trying to get them. So it, it's just uh, anything that you do kind of permanent-like. Um, I mean, you could put a, a steel grate down on there, but you're going to have to with something that's got more weight and uh, more uh, – you know, just more substance to it might would slow them down uh, some. I had I've had to do that in some planters before. You know, kind of like the grading you see when you sometimes sure. walk on a side sidewalk and they've got to have an air or something get through. 
you know, something with some weight like that might would slow them down some, and your water would still be able to drain through it. Uh, but it, but it's uh, that I, I can't think of a surefire remedy for it. Now they're that mire already at two feet, so I can sit easily sit down on the edge of it, right, and reach right, across, you know, uh, you know, and weed it and stuff of that nature, you know, to take care of it. But uh, and this before when they had the camellias, you know, I could dig the roots up and it would be a long time, but when they came back. Right. But then after I cut the camellia that I guess I figured I, whoops, uh, it wasn't the camellias, it was the, you know, it was the uh, hawthorn tree. All along. Yeah. You can't talk the neighbor into removing the hawthorn, <laughs> can you? Not after the kind of money they spent to have it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well. <laughs> it's a little too big for Paraquat. As I always have thought, that sh- unfortunately that straight line wind last night didn't affect it any, did it? <laughs> no. <laughs> so. Yeah, it is like everything else. It'll be the last tree standing. Nothing to have. Right. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you one thing that wind did do. It blew some bees in from someplace because I have, we just don't have bees in Smithfield. And I've got two of those bee things out there and they don't get used. I mean, there may be one of them that, you know, that, that's one of the other pollinators, but I never have to clean them out of bamboo pieces and everything. But whatever it is, I want to walk out there as I do every morning. And I had four bees, uh, two honeybees, and two bumblebees working. Well, so I'm happy for that wind. That's oh, terrible yeah. on us. But. Always look if you've got any sunny spots. You know, adding some of the better pollinator plants. Uh, pineapple sage is a really good one that I use a lot. I have had a little more success getting them in by adding more flower things that were that they particular particular the flowers that they like that will bloom throughout the summer seems to have improved my honeybee population considerably. I've got zinnias out there, and I've got, I've got I've got several different kind of flowers. I've got, you know, to try to attract the, you know, attract the pollinators. Well, next thing up from that sounds like you're going about it right. You may have to get into the honeybee business. Mm. <laughs> well, I tell you, if, if if I was there was so many yellow jackets where I was raised, I got stung so many times. I've tried the honeybee business, and I just get too darn nervous. I just bothers me too much. You know, it, I know they're not going to be as bad as the yellow jackets were. Nothing's as bad as yellow jackets. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, if you come up with a thought process, I would certainly appreciate it. And, and as I offered to Rufus, there is a method to keep squirrels out of your garden. Twenty-two rifle, or what, what's your? <laughs> well, you take a gram of lead and you place it right in the side of their head. Oh, well, see, I knew, I knew there was some, some, something along those ways. Yeah, this day and time, that's not, not you can't, can't go that route anymore. So 50 years ago, maybe. There's some, there are some stuff that that works. (laughs) All right, Tom, best of luck. Thanks Thanks for for calling. All right, this is the Weekend Guard. If you want to call in, 919-860-9783. That reminds me, when I was a teenager, my dad had taken the screen out of my bedroom window, and I always wondered why until I, he came in one morning at like 5 o'clock and just went, shh. And then he had a little bird feeder down there that was basically a squirrel feeder right. and, uh, you know, got out the 22. Right. Within city limits and uh, <laughs> Aragon Pass. But he would use, <laughs> I would say he would use the squirrel's tail to tie flies. So right. he, uh, he uh, used the whole thing. All right. Um, interesting point uh, brought up there that you can do such a good job on your garden that will attract other invasive 
garden uh, species, or not, or not just species, but other plants into your garden? Well, you have to think about it, and it's so logical. So I have people all the time, something happened in their yard, they had to dig a trench through their Bermuda, or whatever the case may be, and they yeah. say, well, what can I do? I'm, I'm trying to fill in this spare spot in the Bermuda here. Uh, and I say, just sprinkle a little fertilizer. And they say, what do you mean? I said, you just sprinkle a little uh, fertilizer in the bare spot, water it, and those roots, you know, there's nothing grows like Bermuda for as a rhizome root that runs out. Yeah. Those roots are run right to it in no time at all. Uh, and if you, when you think about it, here you've got a raised bed, you're keeping it watered, you're providing nutrients and mm-hmm. all that. Well, them roots ain't stupid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, know, they know where it's at, and they're, they're working their way. Uh, and it just speeds up the growth with them coming towards them. And then you get up to a tree of some size, and that, that can become really an issue for lots of people. Uh, and it's a shame when you – neighbor's tree that's yeah. causing <laughs> causing the problems there yeah and uh, one other thing he mentioned i always know i always feel good when i do see a bunch of bees right outside and it's like you like to i learned a couple of years ago to plant some things near the garden and around the garden right. uh, that they like and this, what, what are some things that people can you know, throw in there in the last minute to get some bees out there uh well you can already, you can already find something in bloom if you didn't you know just think early enough to start some stuff from seed uh but uh, look for things I look for things sometimes that have tubular blooms because that will draw hummingbirds as well, which okay. I just like to see hummingbirds. Yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but l- many of your herbs, uh, I mentioned pineapple sage a while ago, but lots of your herbs have a bloom, have a long bloom period. Yeah. That's really the key. You don't want to plant something, oh, it's a beautiful bloom, but it stays in bloom for two weeks. Yeah. And here you're trying to draw <laughs> bees from you know late April to October right. into your garden. And I would encourage people – Raising honeybees is not the horror that you think that it is. When right. I was at the governor's mansion, we put in two hives there. Wake County Beekeepers Association have at least once, maybe a couple of times a year, a little Saturday class you can go to where they tell you everything you need to know. Yeah. Usually pretty easy to find someone that it would be your mentor if you have questions. And it's uh, we had them in downtown Raleigh right up next to a wall that thousands of people walked on the other side of every day, never had any issue wow. what, whatsoever. So it's not as you know problematic as some people may think to get into it. It's fascinating on its own just dealing with the bees. And, hey, you end up with some honey and much better pollination. The first year I put them at the governor's mansion, I had 25 raised vegetable beds. Productivity went up unbelievable. Wow. The next year, just simply from having those two hives on the premises, and you'd be surprised how many there are into beekeeping right now. We had an oh, issue yes. down at our house at Emerald right. Isle where we saw a couple of too many bees in one part of the under part of the house, right. and we opened up the bottom, and there were thousands of them. Right. All we did had to do is go online, make one phone call. Gentleman came had out, a swarm. Somebody came and got it. And he for harvested you. them, and uh, he he took pictures and showed us how he put them in the cones and everything, right. and then sealed it right back up. But you know if. If you're interested in it or if you need to get rid of them, man, there's a lot of people out there who are into this. There's a lot of people that are into beekeeping that want to get these what they called wild queens because they think they have – I mean, there are lots of issues, the colony collapse disorder going on with honeybees now, and they think the wild queens are stronger, that they've built up natural immunity uh, to them. So it's it's easy to find people 
that yeah. are into beekeeping to come get a swarm. Yeah. You know. well, yeah, if you see a swarm, you're not. Don't be overwhelmed. They'll come out no. there and they'll love it. I mean, oh will, yes, be happy for you to call them. Yeah, and they'll get some honey out of it too. I guess, right? <laughs> Very possible. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's go to the phones here. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three nine one nine eight six zero WPTF. The weekend gardener Gerald Adams here with us on a Saturday as we go to Simone in Raleigh. Simone, good morning. Good morning. How can we? What can we do for you? I have transplanted um, a peony from my main flower bed up by the house up to my street bed about five years ago, and it's happy, 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 and it busts out with blooms every year, but the blooms never open. Huh. That's that's a little odd. So how much sun is it getting a day where it's at? Pretty much full sun. Pretty much full sun. Uh, And so you're getting plenty of stems up and plenty of buds, but the buds are not opening? Correct, and that's the same thing that happened when it was in my front flower bed, but it didn't get near as much sun. So I just thought, well, maybe next year, maybe next year, but it's been about four four or five years now, and it's still the same thing. Yeah, usually if you're not getting enough sun, you won't never see the stem and bud to start with. It won't produce that. So the the if it's not enough sun, you won't see any buds at all. Uh if you're getting the buds, I off the top of my head, I cannot think of any reason why they shouldn't be opening for you. You may want to put some phosphorus fertilizer. So if you look for fertilizer, look for some that says Bloom Buster. The middle okay. number, it's going to be like 10, 30, 10. The middle number will be like three times bigger than the other two. Uh, okay. But if the plants, are, are are they draining well where they're at? It's not a spot that's holding water? That's another no, thing. Everything grows there beautifully. It's just this peony is stubborn. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any idea to know the cultivar name, do you? No, have uh, no idea. Uh, that when it was at the other lace, have you ever seen it bloom well? Let me put it like that. No, it did the same thing in the other location, too. So it could be an, an odd cultivar. The reason I say that, their uh, peonies can bloom over a 30-day period. They're, when you're looking for them, they'll, they'll have that in the, this early bloomer, mid-season, late-season bloomer. There are some of the varieties that don't do as well in our humidity for some reason. Mm-hmm. Because if you go call people that grow and sell them, they'll have about a half a dozen varieties here. Whereas in other parts of the country, you'll see mention of other varieties. And I've heard those people tell me, oh, that one doesn't do all that well uh, here. I don't know any reason other than, you know, we do have a lot more humidity and higher temperatures, but that didn't seem to bother. Uh, I grow Felix Maxima and about four or five other ones that I grow. And, and sun's the only thing that holds them back or getting too much mulch on top of them because those blooming buds sit right at top of the ground. Uh, so if you're, I, I, I can't, I would try the phosphorus fertilizer to see if that makes a difference for you next year. And if that doesn't work, I think you're going to have to try another variety. Okay, perfect. Good to know. Thank you for You're welcome. You have a good day. All right, Simone and Raleigh, thank you. Have a great day. And 87 degrees, as we said, never looks so good <laughs> after this past week and uh, cooling down a little bit tomorrow. But again, we'll have some challenges in the landscape coming up next week. Uh, 90 degree plus temperatures. All right, Mike and Carrie, Stephen Garner, hold on. We'll continue after this break here on the Weekend Gardener on a Saturday. Scott Brigham in for Mike Raley of the game. Let's get back to the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. 
And good morning on a Saturday. Scott Brigham in for Mike Raley. Rufus uh, phoned in earlier on the train back from uh, D.C. to Carolina after celebrating the Watergate festivities. And we're proud to have uh, Gerald Adams with us here on this uh, Saturday morning tradition. The weekend gardener, maintenance supervisor, ground maintenance supervisor at Centennial Campus. And we're going to welcome in Mike to the show. He's calling in from Cary, patiently holding for us. Mike, good morning. What can we help you with? Hey, good morning. Uh, I have a question for Gerald. I purchased one of your uh, Gerald Lightning plants two years ago at the farmer's market, and it did great in a pot that I had out in my driveway. I took some of the seeds from last year's crop, and I was able to germinate them, and I got it in the same pot with different soil. But this year, I'm getting fruit, and then all of a sudden, I'll get a bruise on it, and it just becomes a bad tomato at that point. They're not ripening either. Uh, is the fruit, is, when you say a bruise on it, is a place like maybe the size of the end of your little finger? Uh, no, they're a little bit bigger. It almost looks like bottom blossom rot, but it's not. Anthra- anthracnose is what it probably is. Uh, and, and that's a fungal disease. Uh, we don't see it a ton here, but it, you only ever see it on the fruit. You don't see it on the plant. And sometimes when the weather's a little hotter, it's a little more prevalent. Uh, off the top of my head, I would think you would have to spray it with probably chlorothalonil. Copper fungicide might would work. Uh, chlorothalonil would probably be a little bit better. Uh, but it is, a, it is a fungal disease for sure. Uh, and, the, and the spots get larger. Like if it, whatever size it start, starts out, it usually gets a little bigger and bigger, and the fruit's completely ruined. And you can see it on green fruit. You can see it on ripe fruit. Yep, yep. Well, I haven't gotten any. Well, I guess I've got a couple of ripe pieces, but, yeah, right. I haven't been able to eat any of them because the thing develops on it. Yeah, you don't see it a ton, but I'm afraid you're probably going to have to treat that plant to it may not. I don't know that it – I can't say that it would grow out of it over time. Right, okay. So copper sulfate. Uh, to try that first, and if that doesn't get it, chlorothalonil, which was originally sold as daconil, I believe certainly will. Okay, so it's not a nutrient problem. Then. No, no, it's okay. not a nutrient problem. All right. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Good luck. All right, Mike. Mike and Carrie, good luck for you. Thanks for calling in for the weekend, Gardner. Let's go to Garner. Steve phoning in on a Saturday morning. Steve, good morning. What can we help you with? Yeah, I got an answer for that lady with the peonies. Sure. Shoot. She needs an ant bed nearby that that uh, lives on the nectar of of uh, flower buds. The uh, the ants unseal the flower buds. That's how they open up. If they don't have an ant bed or some sort of insect that will eat the nectar coming out of the seed, seed pod, they, I mean the uh, flower pod, the, the buds will never open. Gerald? Well, I have he- I have heard of that in the past, Steve, but it's so many places I don't see where you don't usually see ants at. I mean, it's so un- uh, they're so prevalent everywhere. I mean, I see ants more than yeah. I do honeybees <laughs> uh, out of are, that. There are other insects that also would uh, unseal a peony, but ants are the most prevalent. We have a nice ant bed in ours. All three of ours open up every year. I mean, in the springtime, they are literally covered with ants. 
right because you see them crawling up and down because you have people ask them i say no you leave you need to leave the ants on to do anything to harm them you don't spray them because if they don't they'll never open up i wonder what she could do to attract ants steve if she's not having any ants in a problem well you might look it up to see if there is another insect that may be native to her that she can put some sort of attractant on the bud right you know uh uh some sort of nectar or something uh that will uh, attract something else to, to, uh, to the bud. I mean, spraying a little sugar water on them probably wouldn't hurt <laughs> to attract something like uh, fruit flies. Or right, like that. right. It might find out that there's the other nectar there. Right. But in either case, uh, I know ours, that is my aunt told my, my uh, mother-in-law, my mother-in-law told my daughter, so it's passed along by uh, our female uh, gardeners. So it's got to be true. So <laughs> it, 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 you need some sort of insect that will let feel it fall. All right. Well, I hope Simone is still listening yeah. and, and okay. catch, catches, it, catches that. All right, Steve. Thank you much. Anything else? No, I just wanted to answer that question. All right. Appreciate you calling in. We got can... my power back. <laughs> oh, good deal. Yeah, we're still the, apparently the crews are on the ground in Mebbin, so we're trying to get our power back uh, momentarily as well. So, Steve, uh, have a great rest of the day. Thanks for calling in. Appreciate it. Stay cool. I'll certainly try. Thank you very much. All right, and it's another interesting fact there where a lot of people try to avoid ants for the most part, but uh, they right. can be beneficial. And, and, it, and it gets, too, that sometimes you forget about the, the wide range of pollinator insects to right. start with and the purpose that lots of them sell. I mean, other than fire ants stinging right. you, I can't think of anything bad that ants. So if <laughs> I see a do. row of ants along the uh, outer lying of my uh, bed, just let them follow them and let them go because it's rare that they're going to do damage for you in the vegetable garden, or in this case, in particular, could help with getting something uh, to to open up and to bloom. All right, uh, but the ones that go to eating. On the leaves and yeah. on the fruit, that's a we're mortal enemies. So that's, yeah, that's a whole right. other matter. So the other ones taking stuff out of the picnic basket and carrying them away, we're okay with those, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we're going to take a break here quickly on the weekend. Garner still taking your calls as we head towards eleven o'clock on this Saturday morning. Nine one nine eight six zero nine seven eight three. That's nine one nine eight six zero WPTF. Scott Brigman in for Mike Raley and the gang, and Gerald Adams here to take your calls until eleven o'clock. You're listening to one of the longest-running radio shows in the country, the WPTF Weekend Gardener with Mike, Ann, and Rufus. Scott Brigham in for Mike Raley. Pleasure to be here on this Saturday, wrapping things up on the Weekend Gardener. And Gerald Adams here with us as we finish up here. And we've had some interesting calls and just kind of talking off air the importance of kind of knowing what you're putting uh, in your garden. We had that call in the first hour from Scott in Winston-Salem. Has he put a, what, Pounds and pounds and pounds of horse manure in his uh, garden, and uh, it backfired on him. Yeah, had a herbicide that contaminated so, in it. So yeah, so you need to kind of really pay attention to what you're putting in. So if you see a sign on the side of the road that's just fill dirt, you know maybe you need to do a little research before you uh, before we we put in our garden. Correct. That's most definitely. And uh, what are we looking for? Well, you you don't. There's a chance of soil being contaminated. So that I mean, you can get soil tested uh, before the 
agricultural lab, state of North Carolina here in Raleigh, will do a soil test for you. It's looking for nutrients, but I think that soil test would also show other possible problems with yeah. it as well. Uh, if you see a pile of soil somewhere that's been sitting there a while and there's not a weed growing out of it, yeah. <laughs> you could have a problem. That's right. <laughs> you could have a problem there as well, especially this time of the year. Uh, and, and that's why, you know, sometimes, particularly if you're gardening on a smaller scale, uh, usually when you're buying something that's bagged up, you're not going to run into right. that, that problem. I mean, I know every year we have issues with uh, triple shredded hardwood being contaminated with seeds in it. Yeah. And you're like, you put it out, and we've got to the habit now where we pre-emerge our beds twice a year. We pre-emerge before we put out the triple shredded, and we pre-emerge on top of it after we put out the triple shredded because so often it's full of full of weed seeds. Uh, and, you know, when you're putting stuff into your garden, uh, I mean, automatically you're putting in good draining soil, you're adding nutrients to it, you're adding water to it. Well, weeds are going to want to yeah. come, come <laughs> up anyway. But, uh, you know, it's just you just have to be kind of careful uh, about that. And I think sometimes people, dirt's not always just dirt. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a little, little more to it than that. And the same thing with using manure. Most of the time with animal manure, we get into problems where people have put too much. Right. Uh, they've made it too large a percentage, and they've added way too much nitrogen. You know, you can have too much fertilizer, too much nutrients uh, for the plants to be able to grow and do like they should. Uh, but, um, you know, everything in smaller smaller quantities. And it's usually not that difficult to do a little research online to find out about that. I used to use a landscape soil uh, that I had used at the governor's mansion that was divided, and it had about 10% chicken manure yeah. added to it, which is a great slow release fertilizer. And it was just it was just a fabulous product that I used that I had great success with. And that kind of comes back to <clears throat> if you're having success, don't change a whole lot. Right. Uh, particularly in the flower garden, particularly in the vegetable garden, you're doing something yeah. that's working. Sometimes we can outsmart ourselves <laughs> by trying to, well, what if I did this or that? And you're like, well, well, this is not as good as it used to be. Right. Uh, yeah, we uh, you know we're over anxious sometimes when we see weeds pop up. We want to go ahead and get them out. Are there are things that we should and should not be doing with the weeds popping up. Well, you have to be super scared, careful if you're spraying weed killer. Yeah. In particular, I mean, the most common is glyphosate, which is Roundup. Uh, you don't realize, I mean, it, what just a little bit of wind can move, can move that onto something mm-hmm. else, and the damage that that can cause. Does had someone the week before last sent me pictures of a tomato. Uh, and I almost immediately could tell from the way the leaves were wrinkling. I said, have you sprayed any Roundup anywhere around there in the last week or so? And said, yeah, six to the other side of there, about 10 foot away. Mm. They had sprayed some, but evidently it was windy, and it was enough to get on the plant. Uh, fortunately for them, I think it was only part of the plant, and it may grow out of it, it may not. So you just have to be very careful in, in applying chemicals anywhere. A lot of us are composting these days, or at least trying to. Uh, nitrogen levels there, uh, how different than are we dealing with when it comes to compared to like you know manure? Uh, most of the time, if you're using uh, composting, you're not going to have as higher levels of nitrogen uh, in it as right. the manure Correct. Uh, would provide. I think the one thing I caution people with compost uh, it needs to be completely 
broken down. Yeah. So, sometimes when it's at three quarters of it, it can be really thick and heavy. And if you mix too much of that into your soil, all of a sudden you've made it where it doesn't drain as well. Right. And everything about amending your soil, even when adding nutrients, should be to keep it where it drains as good as possible. I I saw, a, I wish I could remember where I saw this report about 10 years ago, but it was a very scientific thing done on plant diseases and vegetables. And at least 50% of the overall vegetable diseases were tra- traced back to stress from poor drainage, hmm. not having it in soil that drained well enough. Right, uh, And that's first and foremost when people ask me, well, what kind of soil should I grow them in? And it is a, thousands of <laughs> possibilities, but all of them, good drainage is at the top of the list. You can add nutrients, but it's hard to improve the drainage after the fact. And do, should we, if we have raised beds, should we be kind of changing those that soil in and out on a regular basis? Generally or? speaking, I don't think you need to change the soil out if you're not having bad disease issues. Right. And sometimes the disease issue may just be to tomatoes, for instance. Yeah. may not bother snap beans or okra or squash. You could plant other things in that soil. But over time the soil gets compacted. So if you don't have the ability or don't have one of these little small tillers where you can get in there and really turn that soil up, whether Mm -hmm. it's 9 inches, 10 inches, 16 inches, whatever depth you've got, that helps you a lot. Uh, And if not, you're going to have to do it the old-fashioned way with like a pitchfork (laughs) uh, doing it. But adding like pine fines to that soil, I mean, perlite would work well, but perlite's unbelievably expensive. Pine fines are pretty cheap. I've done both with the uh, tiller and the pitchfork and with red clay. Uh, The the tiller works a little bit better. It works a lot better, (laughs) not a little bit better, a lot. But those things, uh, adding pine fines to the soil, always improve the drainage. Excellent. All right, let's go to Brian in Cary as we're going to head towards the 11 o'clock hour. Brian, good morning. You're on The Weekend Gardener. How can we help you? Hey, good morning. I just want to real quickly say my wife and I love your show. We we listen to it every weekend, so thank you. Sure. Um, wanted to just mention something real quick. I heard you mentioning the the tomato plant that the guy was trying to to salvage after it got hit, probably with a little bit of that glyphosate. Uh, you don't want to do that. Um, that's a that's a systemic herbicide, and if it gets any of that in there, you you certainly wouldn't want anybody eating the tomatoes that come off of that. So if, if it gets hit by something like that, you just want to let that plant go. Well, most of the time you don't have to worry about it because it usually takes care of the plant. Uh, it, yeah, it's a yeah. fairly rare to catch on the uh, part of it and it not pull it in and kill kill the plant, which is usually what you see happen. Uh, I've never done the test to see how fine a mist it takes to cause some distortion in the leaves. You know, there's a virus that triggers in rose bushes from glyphosate, uh, and they are they're ruined forever. Yeah, uh, it doesn't kill the plant, but it's got it doesn't look like rose rosette disease, but it's really some you know just twisted up, unsightly looking leaves in it. Mm-hmm. All right, Brian. Thank you, man. Thanks for calling in. We Thank just you. got a few more minutes before we get to eleven o'clock. Want to sneak another call in here? Ed in Wake Forest is on the weekend gardener. Ed, good morning. Um, so I am looking for an ornamental grass, um, something not too tall and not too short, uh, but it's going up against the wall where it gets a lot of sun. And uh, I, was, I was looking at maybe little blue stem or uh, some kind of a switch grass, but I, I don't want I want something that maybe gets about a one to three feet tall maximum. 
muley grass. Pink muley grass. There's also a white muley grass. There's also a new undaunted, which is a red plume on it. Uh, the, I've had issues with the the little blue stem traveling places I didn't want it to travel to. Uh, okay. It spreads really quickly, and particularly if you've got any mulched areas around it. Uh, and I'm having issues with some on Centennial Campus at NC State right now trying to crawl up and lay all into the shrubs. Uh, so I am not as big a fan of that as I used to be for that very reason. Uh, some of the other switchgrasses get a little taller. What I like about the muley grass, I mean, the, the clumps themselves stay in place. I mean, the, over time, the clump gets a little larger in diameter. Uh, and they are at usually about one to maybe two foot tall at most, the clump. And then it has that plume, which is another, you know, 15 or 16 inches taller that comes out in the fall that stays in color for, you know, sometimes 60 to 75 days. Uh, so I like it fine when it's not in bloom and then it's spectacular when it's got the plumes on it. Oh, fantastic. Not really any disease issues with it, easy to get situated, and should be pretty commonly available. Okay, and any of the local garden centers? You should be able to find it anywhere. Ask them. They should be able to get it. Sometimes you can buy it in gallon containers, and occasionally I see it in three gallons, which is already just about fully grown. Okay. Fantastic. All right. Very helpful. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, Ed, thanks for calling in. Just a few more minutes here on the Weekend Gardener. Gerald Adams with us here. Gerald, what what should we be doing uh, this week with temperatures uh, heading back up into the upper 90s? Well, if, you know, we had a little rain the last two nights, but it came in a hurry, and some people may not have got, Mm -hmm. like the guy, I believe, was at Smithfield, said they got a lot of lightning, but not any rain. (laughs) So we're still going to have to stay on top. Keeping stuff watered is first and foremost, Uh, particularly your vegetables. And and, and I mean watered, I mean probably every day. They're going to have to be watered. Your flower beds, most of the time we're able to get by watering every other day with them uh it's kind of the negative you've got really good draining soil so the plants do well well that yeah. water goes through that draining soil right. pretty pretty mm-hmm. quick too so you have to come back and do that uh unfortunately some people may be doing some storm cleanup yep. and may be having to think about well it broke this tree in half and i'm gonna have to remove it or the tree fell on this line of shrubs and yeah. mashed them down most definitely don't want to be planting any trees or shrubs at this time of the year. Yes, you can make plans and start looking to maybe I want to replace with something different, but that's a mid to late September and most any time in the fall. Is there, a, is there a chance that some, especially in the vegetable garden, that transmate plants may trick us into thinking they need to be watered, just the slightest little bit of droop, and we may not need to water just well, yet? Well, you can get if, you know, I have get that question a lot. Well, I watered them first thing this morning at 2 o'clock. I see a little droop in them yeah. there. Well, that's the plant's own mechanism where it flops to kind of protect itself against it. Now, unfortunately, yeah. there are some tomato diseases, wilt diseases, that that can be a sign of. And that's not good. Right. <laughs> but but it's not uncommon for some plants to droop a little bit when we're in this particularly above 90 degree. Yeah. And particularly if it's sunny to go with that kind of weather. If, if they look fine uh, at 9 o'clock that night or first thing in the morning when you get back up, then that's not. It's right. not a disease issue. It was just uh, just too hot even though you watered them. 
I always say when in doubt, stick your finger in the ground. Yeah. You know, if you, yeah. if you stick your finger down to the socket knuckle and it's still dry, yeah. it's probably time that you add a little water. Yeah, and again, uh, you pointed out something that I didn't really know about. Uh, don't water your tomato plants at night. Yeah, right? if, you, uh, if you let that foliage stay wet overnight in our humidity, that, create, that can be a breeding ground for fungal diseases. Yeah. So that's why you tell people water it at ground level if you can. If you can't, try to water it at least 4 or 5 o'clock maybe because that way the sun will dry it out and it won't sit there all mm-hmm. night wet until the sun hits at 6 o'clock the next morning. Is it best to run a soaker hose through your tomatoes? S- soaker or? hoses are great if in do they keep working. Some yeah. of your soaker hoses are bad for only part of it works, yeah. part of it clogs up. I learned and the hard it, way. And it yeah. takes a little while on that to figure out how much, mm-hmm. just because it says it's supposed to do so many gallons a minute or hour or whatever, is not always the truth right. in that regard. Once again, go back and look, your plants will tell you. Yeah. You know, if that plant is flopped at 9 o'clock at night after we done been through the heat of the day and it's mm-hmm. cooled off and it's drooped over, it, it didn't get enough water. Right. Or it didn't get any water. Well, uh, and and you can go ahead and water it. Then that's better than saying, oh, I'm going to wait till tomorrow morning right. because I don't want to get the plant well, wet. We want to keep it alive. You or I are out for a long time in the sun without any water. We'll be drooping too, right? That's a fact. <laughs> <laughs> so we need to keep, keep think of ourselves when we think of our plants, right? Okay, lots going on in the landscape this week, and again, uh, some hot conditions uh, coming up. And just be prepared and take care of everything. Gerald Adams has been helping us out here. Gerald, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, if you have, you know, during the week, you can always go to my GeraldandHenrysPlants.com. That's my emails the same, GeraldandHenrysPlants at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. If you have a question, particularly if you have a tomato disease issue, text or email me a photo all my contact information's on there i'll be happy to take a look at it all right this has been fun we've learned a lot uh, from anything from uh you know the dangers of too much uh, horse manure from an unknown yeah, source it's, it's been a great show i don't think mike's gonna be raised knowing him he's probably listening to it online right yeah, now he is well enjoy your day off uh, mike Rayleigh and gerald adams once again uh, grounds maintenance supervisor with centennial campus at nc state thank you so much Pleasure thank you meeting so much happy father's day to everyone all right enjoy it be safe